The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are talking about Matt LaFleur and why he's making a right decision by playing his starters in week number 18. We will also talk about how mad you should be at the Bucs after their pathetic loss to the Detroit Pistons. We will lastly talk about if Johnny Davis belongs in the National Player of the Year conversation or is it a little too early to be even having that discussion. Before I get started with Matt LaFleur, just a reminder, we are on all social medias, Tabbing the Keg Sports on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Tabbing the Keg on Twitter, all our fun spots to hang out, all give you a different vibe. I trust me, trust me when I say you will enjoy us on one of those platforms if you're not following us already. And if you have not rate and review us, we would really appreciate it. Really appreciate you spreading the word, telling people to subscribe. If you're new to this program and you haven't subscribed, Hopefully, you are doing that after listening to us and listen to us talk about Wisconsin sports. Let's start with Matt LaFleur and why he's making the wise move to play his guys in week 18. It is always a controversial topic on who starts, who sits in week number 18. Should you play all your guys? Should you go full steam ahead? Or should you take it easy? I feel like it's a cousin to the opt-out stuff that we saw in college football for the last week and a half, basically. If someone gets hurt, like a Matt Corral did in the bowl games, in a meaningless game, like a lot of the Week 18 games are, everybody rushes their keyboard, everybody types in, oh, wow, see, this is what happens, this is what happens in these type of games, it's why these guys should have their choice, that's why we should not force it on them to play, and all of this other hand-wringing. Nine times out of 10, that hand-wringing is so unnecessary. The hand-wringing really doesn't matter. And when the Green Bay Packers stars, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, say that they want to play and say that three weeks off is too much time off, I believe those guys. I am going to trust Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams over anybody else's opinion. I don't really care what some journalist thinks. I don't really care what some podcast who actually disagrees with me and probably has the other take. Because I'm sure there's a podcast out there today that's arguing the exact opposite. I do not care. At the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams want to play. And if those guys want to play, that should mean everything. And if they want to just go through the motions for two quarters, they don't have to win, they don't have to lose, the game doesn't matter. It's legitimately meaningless. But if Aaron Rodgers goes through the motions and gets some, gets some stuff right, figures it out. When I say go through the motions, I don't mean like play lackadaisical or play haphazardly like the Milwaukee Bucks did in the second half against the Detroit Pistons. Rather, I'm just saying going through the routine and going through you know the play calls and things you want to run. I guarantee you Matt LaFleur's offense will be about as vanilla as it gets. They're not going to show anything new in a game against the Lions, but they might try out some different things. You know, maybe a little more Patrick Taylor. Maybe a little bit more Patrick Taylor. Maybe that's an option. Matt LaFleur brought Patrick Taylor's name unprovoked twice in his press conference after the game against Minnesota. So maybe that's a guy that we see out there, you know, seeing how he runs with the ones. Maybe David Moore gets some exposure, right? Those are the type of different things you'll try. But when it comes to play calling, they're not going to give their opponents anything 
to start the next seat to start the next season which is really the playoffs and the playoffs is its own season in itself it's a totally different atmosphere the games are much more intense the refereeing is different it's everything is different about the nfl playoffs I do think, though, that Green Bay wants to also see Jordan Love. I think they want to see Jordan Love against a bad team in a significant amount of time. So I really think Aaron Rodgers will play a half. Maybe he'll play a quarter. Um, I just think they will get Aaron Rodgers out there. They'll have him do some work. They'll show some things. And then they'll say, all right, Aaron, we got to pull you. I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to play three quarters. I think the longer Aaron Rodgers goes in the game, the louder fans are going to scream in into the void that is Twitter and say, you got to pull him, you got to pull him. I guarantee you, anyone who's saying that on Twitter, all right, anyone who's chirping me in the group chats, not me per se, specifically, but who's saying, well, why isn't Rodgers out? Why isn't Rodgers out? Please understand that Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have a plan. They're going to come up with a plan that they're going to both agree on, and I'm sure there will be a little bit of back and forth, and I'm sure LaFleur will have the final say, but they will kind of come to an agreement on how much they they want he wants to play. Same goes with Devontae Adams. And also, too, Matt LaFleur is going to want to see some of the other guys get some reps before, like I said, the next season starts, and that playoff is a next season. And so that means David Bakhtiari, who LaFleur mentioned today, the hopes are that David Bakhtiari could play this week. That's what they're hoping for. And they said Jair Alexander was really close to playing against Minnesota. I think part of the reason Jair Alexander didn't play was because of the weather. I think if the weather was a bit warmer, if it was like 36 or 37, which is what the temps are going to be here today in Milwaukee, I think Jair Alexander actually plays in the game. I think the worry was that he could do something to that shoulder. It's a lot harder to hit when it's that cold outside. It's basically like you're tackling a piece of stone. I I don't think they wanted that AC joint to get fucked up again. So now you play him in Ford Field, climate-controlled stadium. You make sure he's right. Then he gets a couple, another week of rest. And then that shoulder is probably really feeling healthy, no matter what the elements are at Lambeau Field in mid-January. And then we'll see about Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith just being on the sideline was crazy. Like, I don't think, I think that's the first time Zadarius Smith has been on the sidelines. I can't remember the last time I've seen Zadarius Smith on the sidelines. And things have been weird with him. Don't get that twisted. There are a lot of media members who've kind of said, like, look, this is not a normal thing with what Zadarius is doing. So having him on the sidelines was a jolt of energy. It does feel like Zadarius is a bit of a mercenary, but I, I'm okay with that. I honestly am. Whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes to win a Super Bowl, I'm not really going to get in anybody's way. If Zadarius is going to come in and just play in the playoffs, all right, so be it. Fuck it. Let's roll. Let's be great. Let's be legendary. Smith and Gary have had an incredible year, and I think you add Smith to the mix, and it only gets better. So not not only is Matt LaFleur starting his guys, but he's also seen what he has in some of the guys coming back from injury and giving them basically two quarters, three quarters of of work before saying, all right, let's pull everybody off and let the backups in for the fourth quarter or we're letting the backups in for the second half and you guys got a sweat going, you understand, you're back to sort of playing live action football and you'll be ready for the playoffs. And that's kind of what I think the goal is for this game. I don't necessarily think the goal is to win. Rather, it is to basically... You know, make sure that everything is pointing in the right direction for the playoffs. The Lions have given the Packers a lot of trouble in the past. You know Tim Boyle is going to want 
to exact some quote unquote revenge. I don't think Tim Boyle has any mean bones in his in his body, but I know that they're going to want to deliver the pain. They're going to want to go out on the right note. Dan Campbell's that type of guy. He doesn't give a fuck about a draft pick. He's going to have his Lions players trying to go out on the right note, and that can take them into next season. And if the Packers lose, I'm not going to freak out. I really am not. I've I've way too much other shit to worry about. I'll be in Hawaii as is, so I don't know how much of the game I'll even watch. I, I the last time it's ironic that I'm on vacation and they're in Detroit because the last time that happened, I was in London, uh, Ford Field, Week Five. Mason Crosby missed five field goals that game. Um, that was before everything really fell apart for the Packers that season, and that was the season where Mike McCarthy was there then fired. So hopefully uh, we do not have five missed field goals for Mason Crosby in this game because that to me would be one of the few things that you could panic about. The one there's like a like a list of less than five things that you could panic about, at, and Mason Crosby not being sharp in this game would be one of them. I will say this about the injuries: if someone does get hurt in this game, significantly injured, it will change how Matt Lafleur does things the rest of the way. Matt LaFleur will be like, I'm never doing this again. Matt LaFleur is a young coach. Matt LaFleur has to kind of stick his feet in the ground. He did not have this luxury last year. Remember, Green Bay had to win the game to get the one seed. They demolished Chicago, and they got the one seed. Green Bay, the year prior, had I believe had to beat Detroit to get a bye. I think that was it because they didn't have seven teams yet. I think Green Bay had to get a bye, and they had to beat Detroit. And remember, they got down, I think, like 23 to nothing in that game. It was really ugly before Green Bay you know, came back to life and we were able to win that in the last second on a Mason Crosby field goal. This is new, new ground for Matt LaFleur and Matt LaFleur is experiencing this for the first time. I think for him, he's looking at it as these guys want to play. I'm going to listen to them and I think that they can do everything they need to do to tell me if we're banged up, if we're having something going wrong, that I can fix it and that it's, again, not not a ton of pressure. It's house money to the highest degree. And I think Matt LaFleur is nailing it by playing his guys. And if something bad happens, we're going to have to live with it. It's fucking football. And yes, there is an inherent risk every time you step out on that field. But I do think they're making the right decision. Before we move on to the Milwaukee Bucks, it's worth mentioning for Matt LaFleur that He's now not favored to win coach of the year. Zach Taylor is. Zach Taylor is coming in at plus 140. Matt LaFleur is at plus 150. I don't know what we're doing here with coach of the year. I don't understand it. I think it's the weirdest race of them all um, because I think every week we choose a new coach of the year. Like if the Raiders beat the Chargers, should Rich Basicchia be coach of the year? Uh, If... The Eagles beat the Cowboys and they're a six seed. Should Nick Sirianni be the coach of the year? I think that's a more reasonable case than Zach Taylor or Rich Basicchia. But Matt LaFleur deserves his credit. And I just don't understand why Matt LaFleur can't get the flowers. Why people cannot give him the respect. I realize that he doesn't care. Like I realize that Matt LaFleur looks at this and is like, I don't give a shit. But I just feel like the guy deserves to be considered among the best. And yes, Aaron Rodgers helps him out a lot. But the fact is, is that LaFleur keeps it all together. LaFleur is the fucking glue. 
And if Lafleur wasn't good managing people, this thing would have went sideways. It would have went sideways a lot earlier. And everybody had so many concerns that Lafleur and Rodgers would not work out well together. Look through all the articles. And that has been proven wrong. And I don't know, maybe people just don't want to admit that they were wrong about that. Just like they were wrong about A.J. Dillon. Just like they were, I think, going to be wrong about Jordan Love. Everybody seems to misfire on the Packers. And I, I, I just do not get it. I don't know if it's because they don't like them. Because they cheer for somebody else from a rival team. Or it's just a complex system that it doesn't necessarily have a ton of rhyme or reason. And when I say that, usually when you say rhyme doesn't have any rhyme or reason, you mean like in a negative connotation. No, I mean it more as like the Packers do things in a certain way that are not necessarily in step with the rest of the NFL. There are some teams that do it similarly, but not a ton of teams follow what the Packers do or do what Green Bay does, and that makes them unique. And they always keep people on their toes, just like they will with whatever they do this offseason. And I'm fascinated to see it. And I'm more on the side that you got to keep Rodgers and Adams and figure out the rest and say the salary cap's a fraud. And we'll see who wins out on that debate because there are people who are like, there's no way it can happen. But there is a part of me, there is a part of me that wants to see Matt LaFleur without Aaron Rodgers. Not because I want to see Aaron Rodgers leave, but it would be hilarious to watch LaFleur take love to like an 11 and 6 record and maybe win this, the North, maybe, you know, come in second and find a way to get it done. Because I really do think Matt LaFleur deserves a ton of credit for what he's done with this program and has built Green Bay up. And three straight years of 13 straight win or 13 wins should get credited somewhere. So hopefully Matt LaFleur does become the coach of the year and we don't give it for, to Zach Taylor for one fucking game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks had a very bad loss tonight against the Detroit Pistons. They lost 118-109. It was ugly. Um, there's really no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Bucks kind of had a lead in the third quarter. They had a lead going into halftime. But the Pistons, oh, 115 to 106. Apologize for messing that up. But yeah, that was one that I don't think any of us expected. Uh, Sadiq Bey had a career night 34 points, eight threes, eight rebounds, and four assists. Cade Cunningham was also very sharp in this one with 19 and seven. Uh, Josh Jackson off the bench, five threes, 24 points. Remember, Josh Jackson, former top pick in this draft. Uh, he's kind of found a home here in Detroit. Um, but man, this is a loss where you look at it and you say, all right, this Pistons team before tonight had only six wins. They'd only won two games away from Little Caesars Arena. Now they had one on a buzzer beater on Saturday and they carried that momentum into Monday. And I do think there is something to that with shitty teams. I think shitty teams can really take one win and say, all right, can we build on this? Can we get our second straight win? We haven't done that this year. And the Pistons might be feeling a little bit more confident than they were the last two times the Bucks had played them this year. I mean, the Bucks had wiped them out without Giannis, 117 to 89. And then they beat them again, 114 to 93. The Bucks have dominated the Pistons. They'd won 12 straight. They had scored I think they had the average um, margin of victory was about 17 points. And so 
the Pistons finally got the Bucks at some point they're due too. I'm sure there was some motivation to beat the Bucks. I'm sure not only are they the world champions, but hey, we can kind of kind of make a statement here. We can kind of finally say, all right, maybe tonight is not our or this season or next season is not going to be our season, but we have some we have some pieces. We have some guys, and they they have a lot of talented players. Cade Cunningham, top pick. Sadiq Bay, top pick. Uh, Josh Jackson, top pick. Killing Hayes, who didn't really have that great of a game, top pick. I, I'm not gonna like throw things all over the floor, but I'm still gonna be mad that the Bucks did not seem like they gave a shit in the second half. The Detroit Pistons were outworking the Milwaukee Bucks. So you ask, you're, we asked yourself at the beginning of this podcast, how mad should you be? I don't think you should be mad at the loss per se. Dumb losses in the NBA happen all the time. I think you should be mad at the effort. I think you should be mad at the fact that it really didn't seem like Giannis or anyone else really wanted to be on the court. Really haphazard game from Middleton. I said haphazard twice, but I mean, just an ugly ass game from Middleton. 10 points on 10 shots, missed almost all his threes. Uh, really ugly stuff from him. He continues to struggle this season. I uh, missed Saturday's game with personal reasons. They did not say what those were. I don't know if those were still playing a factor in his head on Monday night. Drew Holiday was the only one who showed up. Um, 29 points, four threes. But other than that, there wasn't much. Bobby had a good game, 12 and 14. But not to like read the box scores. It's just it, it was not a game for, for the Bucks And... They just did not seem to really want to be there. After the Pistons were kind of giving it to them, playing and tough defensively, they're coached by Dwayne Casey, who doesn't give up a fight and wants to be involved in every sort of street fight possible. It was pretty evident to me that the Bucks just didn't really feel like being there. And that's the type of stuff that annoys you. That's the type of stuff that, that gets kind of stuck in your craw because you're like, all right, guys, like turn it on at some point and the Bucks decided never to turn it on the light never clicked whether for Giannis whether it was for Chris none of them decided to flip that switch I really don't think that's going to be a problem for Milwaukee come play Brooklyn when they play Chicago when they play Cleveland even uh Golden State Phoenix like they're gonna be you know fired up ready to go from the absolute get-go they're not going to sort of lollygag through it but these type of games they can't afford really to lose I know it's January and I know so much is gonna happen from here on out but they're right now two games back of the Chicago Bulls in the NBA Central Division again long fucking way to go they are actually competing for somebody in the Central Division. Bucks haven't had to deal with that for years. The Bucks have owned this division. I think the last team to win the division was the Cleveland Cavs with LeBron James. I mean, this has been a dominant run for Green Bay or Green Bay, uh, Milwaukee in the Central Division. And so now you have Chicago nipping at your heels, and every loss it actually does matter. So yeah, this week got off to a bad foot, but hopefully this is a wake-up call for Milwaukee. Hopefully this is something that says to the Bucks, all right, we can't just waltz in. And then maybe that's something they need to be reminded about every every month, every you know six weeks. And then they are like, all right, we'll get up for the next one. We'll be ready for the next one. And Toronto is no slouch. Toronto's already beat you this year, and I realize they did it without Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Toronto is always going to give you their best effort, and they're going to bring it. And if the Bucks give this effort 
tonight that they do against Toronto on Wednesday, we're going to be looking at two straight losses. It's not even close. Be a little bit mad tonight. Get a little bit angry that the Bucks did not finish this deal and didn't keep their winning streak alive. But don't freak out about it. Don't lose your mind. It's one game. It's one of 82. Yes, they lost some some traction to the Bulls. But let's hope whatever's going on with Giannis is not an injury, not something personal. Let's hope that he just kind of kind of wakes up and that was kind of a refresher for him everybody's allowed to have a bad day everybody's allowed to kind of not be there 100 percent. and Giannis, after an awesome game on saturday is probably owed a mulligan and hopefully whatever's going on with chris middleton he figures his shit out and is able to sort of focus on basketball and if he needs more time off give him more time off i need chris middleton to find himself a little bit i think that's going to be a topic for mitch and i upcoming this week that's a little bit of a tease and then lastly drew holiday just keeps playing like an all-star and he's looked like one of the best players in basketball and i hope people are realizing the type of season that holiday has had because i would say that this year he's been the second banana to Giannis more so than chris middleton and i'm not saying that's overall just saying right now holiday has been terrific for the milwaukee bucks and Hopefully that continues and when they get going with Toronto on Wednesday night. All right, that ends. All right, last part of the show, then we'll ride out of here. Johnny Davis had a masterful game for the Wisconsin Badgers, 37 points, 14 rebounds, three assists uh, in a upset victory over the Purdue Boilermakers. Purdue, number three in the nation. The Badgers were able to beat them, and the Badgers pretty much had control throughout the second half didn't watch all the game um as i noted i don't do as much badgers basketball as i used to basically because i didn't have the time i and i don't like to tell you that all the time but i don't want you to also judge me for being like why didn't you watch the whole game you're you have this podcast you have this it's like well i'm not a badger basketball fan and if someone wanted to take the reins and have a badger basketball podcast presented by uh tapping the keg podcast network We'd be all ears, so reach out. Feel free. But for the game itself and Johnny Davis, I mean, it was an incredible performance. Johnny Davis is one of the best players in the country. He's having an absolute breakout season. Uh, Johnny Davis has been the catalyst for all of Wisconsin's success. And if Johnny Davis was not on this team, the Badgers would be lucky to get the NIT. It feels like the Jerry McNamara uh, clip that we talked I think we talked about it yesterday too that you know of the famous Jim Beheim line that Syracuse went out and won 10 fucking games if it wasn't for Jerry McNamara I feel like Greg Gard could say the same thing about Johnny Davis so now people are ready to ascend Johnny Davis to the national player of the year category and while I think that's admirable I think he's a MVP like guy just for the things we noted but I think it's way too early. I think it's way too early to be having this conversation. It's what we do in all these sports where we are a month early to be talking about MVPs and National Player of the Year when really we need to let this thing breathe. There have been so many guys that have not played for two weeks, three weeks. Johnny Davis right now is the soup du jour. But if Drew Timmy goes off, is Drew Timmy going to get that love? If Paolo Bonchero gets hot, for three or four weeks isn't Paolo going to be the guy if Marcus Carr suddenly is lighting it up for Texas is he going to become the guy uh Jabari Smith's another guy for 
Auburn that's in, that's played really well. If Auburn continues to push and continues to be one of the best teams in the SEC, isn't he going to get some love? So I just I appreciate the discourse, I guess, but I I think it's way too early to be promoting Johnny Davis as this national player of the year. Yes, Johnny Davis is having an incredible start to the season, but we need to see the Badgers win more quality games inside their conference. They've won a ton outside their conference. They have a great fucking resume. Do not get me wrong there. But this this Badger team with Johnny Davis lost to Ohio State on the road, and they lost bad. Ohio State waxed them in the second half, and that was with Johnny Davis. And I'm not, again, just what we said about Giannis, I'm not saying, like, a guy can't have a bad day. But if you're a national player of the year, I think there is an expectation that you have maybe one, you have two, and the rest of them you are just on your shit and you are the top player. And even if you lose, it's six points, eight points, and you've had 20 or 30 yourself and basically willed your team to have a shot in the game. That, to me, is a player of the year. So... Right now, Wisconsin is supposed to be middle of the pack in the Big Ten, but maybe they move up to that top tier. It's hard to argue after beating Purdue on the road, but they struggle against Ohio State. I think the Michigan State game is going to be a very big marker for the Badgers when they face off against Sparty. I think Iowa is another team that is going... It's not necessary. They play Iowa Thursday, actually, so we'll get to see what Wisconsin does against Iowa, but that, to me, is like another test for Wisconsin. Can they keep showing out against a really good Big Ten? Illinois was a team we didn't mention. Uh, And and how will they do against them? So I think that the measuring stick right now, the expectations have probably been taken up a notch for Wisconsin fans just based on Johnny Davis's performance. But I don't think we can crown Johnny Davis as one of the as the best player in college basketball. And I don't think we can do it for anybody. And really, COVID is to blame. And I'm not trying to get on COVID corner here at the very end in a very late podcast taping myself. But all I will say is that college basketball this year has been ruined by COVID. It has been absolutely decimated by COVID. I don't know who's good. I don't know what players deserve the credit, the love right now. I think that college basketball had probably its best season going because you had all these guys transfer, you had people staying, you had people you had people grad transferring, you had new coaching, new blood with Chris Beard at Texas and a few others. Like everything was kind of set up for a really really good college basketball year, Shaka at Marquette of course, and then COVID kind of ruined it. And COVID ruined everything we had. And at least we had that Duke and Gonzaga game, but I, I fear that with how Omicron is rolling, I don't know if we're ever going to get college basketball back to normal. I hope we will, maybe in late February, but by then, what do you do? Do you push back March Madness? Do you push, do you push March Madness to its own location? How do you figure this out? I think Mark Emmert's silence has been very disappointed on this whole thing, but I, I just need to see more from other guys. I think Johnny Davis deserves a ton of credit one of the best college basketball games I had seen in a while from an individual player. 
But I do think that it's a little too early to start talking National Player of the Year. And that's not just Davis. That's not just this game. It's just the society we live in. It should really be a February conversation. And people are trying to force feed it into January, even though teams like UCLA, who have National Player of the Year contenders like Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jacquez, or is it Jamie Jacquez? Probably Jamie Jacquez tried too hard with the Hispanic accent there. But those guys are National Player of Year contenders. They haven't played since fucking December 11th. So, okay, so what are we doing here? Just food for thought when you're trying to hype up Johnny Davis. He deserves some credit. He'll probably get talked about on local radio as, you know, college basketball rarely gets brought up. But I know Davis will get some love on local radio to this, week, this week and today. And we'll see. We'll just sort of see where, where it goes for him. And, yeah, I hope my Badger fan friends enjoyed uh, a little Badger love on the podcast since I, I was able to tune in for a little bit and had, had an opinion, as I do for a lot of things. Rate, review, subscribe, follow us on the socials, Tabbing the Keg on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, Tabbing the Keg on Twitter. I think I said both Tabbing the Keg, Tabbing the Keg Sports on the three, and then Tabbing the Keg on Twitter, just to make sure we're all there. I think we're going to do Tabbing the Keg tomorrow, uh, speaking of Tabbing the Keg. Tabbing the Keg with Mitch and I tomorrow, I believe, uh, we'll get in the booth, we'll talk Packers, we'll talk Bucks. And who knows whatever else probably uh, mitch asked me a bunch of questions about hawaii um and then yeah we'll probably take a break and i'll give the keys to mitch and see if he wants to do something if he does great if he doesn't so be it but i might try to do some pre-packaged stuff but ever i say that i never do it so that's why i'm, I'm hesitant i will tell you right now i'm hoping that's going to be the case but yeah i don't know we'll see we'll see all right take care of yourself have a good tuesday see you bye